Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello, welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, this week, and for a few weeks now, the trial has been taking place in the Special Criminal Court in connection with what's known as the Regency Murder. This relates to a killing in the Regency Hotel in Dublin in February 2016 and a weigh-in for a big boxing match. The event was interrupted by a group of individuals, some disguised as Gardy and one man dressed as a woman, and they were allegedly out to kill Daniel Kinahan, the head of the Kinahan crime cartel. They didn't get him, but they did kill an associate of his, David Byrne. Now, Jerry Hutch, the man known as the Monk, is on trial for that murder along with two other men who are alleged to have assisted in the getaway for the whole gang on the day in question. Since Monday, the Chief Prosecution Witness, former Sinn Féin Councillor Jonathan Dowdall, has been giving evidence. He is serving a sentence for having assisted in the murder to which he pled guilty by booking a room in the Regency for one of the gunmen and he's now serving four years in prison. He has turned state's evidence and his evidence is probably attracting more attention than anything I can remember emerging from the courts in decades. Joining me to discuss it is the Irish Examiner, Sean Murray, who has come hot foot from the Special Criminal Court. Sean, you're very welcome. Thanks, Mick. Sean, we'll go straight to Jonathan Dowdall. Just for those who are not fully across it, who is Jonathan Dowdall? So, Jonathan Dowdall, um, many people will know that he's a former councillor for Sinn Féin. Um, he is from Dublin. He grew up in the north inner city of Dublin. Prior to the events at the Regency, he had what he says was a successful electrician's business. He was a qualified electrician. He said he would give lots of apprenticeships to young men in the north inner city to try and keep them on the straight and narrow. But obviously, we know him for very different reasons now. He was implicated in the murder of David Bourne. He was accused of the murder of David Bourne in the Regency Hotel. And in different circumstances, he could be sitting alongside Jerry Hutch in this trial. But as you outlined, he has instead turned state witness and he is giving evidence against Jerry Hutch. So it's a long and winding road for Dowdle. He was a Sinn Féin councillor and then he resigned. And then in 2016, everything changed for him. Yeah, and it's already emerged in the evidence about his previous convictions. You said he was a successful businessman and politician. Wait, it would, at some thought, he had the profile for a budding career, but I think he resigned not too long after being, um, I'm not sure was he elected or, or, or did he fill a seat there in the council, but one way or the other, and it has emerged in the court that the, the Gardaí searched his house in relation to the Regency murder, and while there, they found evidence that him and his father had been involved in the torture of uh, of another man in their home. Yeah, this was a remarkable bit of evidence. And people might remember that this case actually had come up a few years ago and Mr. Dowdle was sentenced for it. So what had happened was, it was the 9th of March 2016 when the guards stopped the car just outside of Slain. And now in the boot of that car were the three AK-47 style guns that were used in the Regency Hotel. And the man who was found with them 
he was charged and sentenced for both possession of the guns and for membership of the IRA. And it was less than an hour later from the guards finding the man with the guns that they raided the house of Jonathan Dowdle. Now, the warrant that the guardie had was that they suspected there may be guns or explosives in his house at that time. And they searched his house very thoroughly, didn't find guns on that occasion. But what they did find in one of the drawers, as it was described, was a USB stick. And on that USB stick was a video that had been recorded of Jonathan Dowdle and his father, as you said, torturing somebody. They make lots of threats against them. They waterboard him at one stage. And it, it was a fairly shocking crime. But one of the more shocking aspects of it is that the guards had never heard of this. When they found this USB stick, they had no idea that Jonathan Dowdle had done this. The man who they'd done it to had never come forward. And obviously, once the guards had seen this, it started a chain of events where they tracked down the man, charges were pressed against Mr. Dowdle and his father, and they were sentenced because of that crime. Yeah, and they got considerable jail sentences. And then it occurred that, I'm not sure was Dowdall still serving or not, but eventually the charge came through. Separate to this, of course, Jared Hutch was wanted by the Guardian. And I suppose, again, just for people's background, there was an obvious suspicion that this was related to what emerged into the so-called feud between the Kinahan cartel and the Hutch family, effectively. Jerry Hutch's brother was murdered and, and other members of the family. But one way or the other, then Jared Hutch was charged with the murder and Jonathan Dowdall was as well. And then he gets bail from the murder charge. Yeah, absolutely. And this this has been teased out at great length about the, the sequence of events that led from Jonathan Dowdle being charged with murder to pleading guilty to the lesser offence that you referenced at the beginning of, of facilitating the hotel room. Now, the evidence that was there, a crucial part of that evidence against both Mr. Hutch and Mr. Dowdle was the kind of infamous tapes, the 10-hour the recording of the pair going up north to meet with Republicans in the few weeks after the Regency. Now, on, on that tapes, they discuss... Um, criminality, they discussed the Regency attack itself, they discussed the Kinahans, they discussed the feud. There are so many topics that are covered and I feel like that was a crucial part of the charge of murder that was levelled against Jonathan Dowdle. But it was around, it was November in 2021, this was after Dowdle had been charged, that his solicitor um, wrote to the Gardaí to say that Dowdle had information related to the murder. And that set in course a chain of events where Dowdle would be interviewed by the Gardaí uh, on a number of occasions. He would set out, make his claim that he is made in court again this week, that Gerard Hutch admitted to him that he shot David Bourne in the Regency that day. And as we've moved through, even as recently as September, that murder charge against Dowdle was still in place. But he appeared in court and pleaded guilty to this lesser offence and the murder charge has been effectively dropped against him now as he gives state's evidence. Yeah, and again, another interesting thing I thought, Sean, that came out was that um, at one stage, and I, I, I'm not sure, was it when Dowdall was, I, I suppose it was when he was completing his original sentence or whether it was when he was on remand for the murder initially, but he was in prison with Jared Hutch and he's given evidence that uh, Hutch, legitimately, I think anyway, shared 
what he had been given himself in terms of the book of evidence as a defendant would be. And he used to arrive in uh, Dowdall's cell most days. Well, I think, as, as I said earlier on, um, in other circumstances, uh, they could be in the dock together for this murder. So uh, obviously they don't want to be sentenced for murder. Uh, at this stage, yeah. Dowdle hadn't torn state's evidence. They were obviously going to be fighting these charges, these separate murder charges. And as the court heard, Dowdle said that Hutch was sharing things from the book of evidence with him. One of the main reasons that Dowdle has given for why he has torn state's evidence is what he learned when he was in prison. Dowdle's case is that he learned when he was in prison. Effectively, he claims that he was being used by the Hutches. He was being set up to kind of take the fall for the Regency. So it, w- it was while he was in prison, I think, that maybe if the relationship was friendly, then it certainly, it certainly soured from, from Dowdle's perspective to the point where he, um, where he torn state's witness. And that reasoning on his part, I think, is being challenged by um, by Hutch's lawyer. Brendan Gren, who I have to say, just from my own experience, used to spend a lot of time down the courts, is a very serious uh, criminal defence or prosecution barrister. He's long-standing. He's, um, he's one of these barristers, I'd suggest, that does the job straight to the... There's no drama with him. He, he, he does the job and he's very uh, forensic in how he does it. Uh, I, I think forensic is definitely an accurate term for how I would describe Brendan Gretton. There was um, a few bits of, of evidence that were given by Gardy. People might have read about um, records to do with a tracking device that had been put on Jonathan Dowdle's car being destroyed by the Gardy. Now, when the, when the various Gardy uh, were giving evidence in connection to this, they were, I think it's fair to say, were put through the ringer by Brendan Gretton. So that gave us a little hint of what it might be like for, for Jonathan Dowdle this week in terms of just how thorough, how uh, every little detail would would be picked at and, and, and examined. And it's been, I, I, I might even use the term cinematic to describe how the, the kind of contrast between Gretton's questioning and Dowdle's responses this week, it's been like the public gallery is packed every day. The the amount of seats available, there are multiples of people queuing up who will, will never be able to get in, such is the interest. And I think it's Brendan Gretton's very serious, very thorough demeanour against Jonathan Dowdle's account, picking apart, trying to pick apart, should I say, every little thread. Okay, and in all these things, Sean, as we say, Dowdle has made this case. He has, as he sees it, admitted to a role in facilitating what occurred in the Regency. But what specifically is the prosecution's case in terms of Dowdall's evidence that they say connects Jared Hutch to this murder? Yeah, so the, the key aspects of it would be that after Gary Hutch was murdered in Spain in September 2015, so Gary Hutch would be the nephew of Jared Hutch, he was murdered, uh, allegedly, by the Kinahans in Spain. After that, Jonathan Dowdle began to maybe, should I say, get involved with this. He was really good friends, as he says, with Patsy Hutch, who is the monk's brother and uh, Gary Hutch's father, like a second father to him, uh, Dowdle has said at one point. And Dowdle's case is that he was asked to maybe reach out or make contact with Republican contacts up north to try and see if they'd be able to act as a go-between between the Hutches and the Kinahans to try and settle what he says were, were threats being made against a, an innocent family. He believed that, that Patsy Hutch and Gary Hutch and uh, uh, D. 
the other son, Patrick Hutch Jr., had done nothing wrong. He wanted to make sure innocent people weren't killed. Now, that's been uh, Dowdle's case. And where he comes in again is that on the 4th of February 2016, this is the day before the Regency shooting, Patsy Hutch rang his father, rang uh, Patrick Dowdle, and asked him to book a room in the Regency Hotel that night. Now, uh, from Jonathan Dowdle's account, that wasn't a problem. He had no problem ever arranging uh, flights or hotel rooms or any anything like that to be booked. So he brought his father to the Regency that night. His father checked in, got the card keys, and that they drove to a different part of Dublin. And this is one of the key parts of the case against Jerry Hutch, is that his father, Jonathan Dowdle's father, handed Jerry Hutch the key cards to that hotel room. Now, the man, this is a very long convoluted story, but bear with me. Um, the man who stayed in that hotel room that night was a man called Kevin Murray. Now, people might have seen many pictures of this man. He's known as Flatcap. He is one of the men who stormed the Regency that day. Um, he is now deceased. Um, so he stayed in a hotel room that the Dowdles had booked, essentially. So that's where that's where um, that comes in. And that's where the allegation from Dowdle that he gave the keys, that his father gave the card keys to Jared Hutch. And that's a crucial plank of the, the prosecution's case. And separate to that, the second big aspect is that just a few days after the Regency shooting, Jonathan Dowdle received a call to go meet Jared Hutch. He met him in a, he allegedly met him in a park in Whitehall in Dublin. And it's his case that Jared Hutch admitted to him, yes, it was me, it was us and them, we did the Regency Hotel. Uh, me and James Mago Gately shot David Bourne. That's the allegation from Dowdle. He has nothing else to corroborate this. He also has um, the evidence from the, the infamous tapes that I mentioned earlier on. There is no kind of similar tacit admission from Jared Hutch that he is responsible for the Regency. So it's clear that there is a lot resting on Jonathan Dowdle's evidence to this effect. Yeah, there's a huge amount. So as you say, the two elements, the one, he, he, he was present for, as he says, the handover of the uh, hotel key, which was used by the man who's seen in the photograph since deceased, who, who was a gun running out of the hotel. And he claims separate to that, that uh, Jerry Hutch admitted to him in this park that he'd been present, not just that he'd organised it, around, but he'd actually been present. And on the other perhaps some might say on the other side of the scale, but certainly in, in a different element of things, the 10 hours of tape between the two men in the car going up and down to the north, um, all the evidence I've seen that's been reported on, nowhere there does Hutch explicitly admit or speak in terms as if he had been one of the uh, of the gunmen are, are involved in it to that extent. Yeah, exactly. Under cross-examination, it was put to Jonathan Dowdle that, there was one time and one time only when Hutch admitted to him that he had done the Regency and it was that one time in the park. And I mean, we sat through all of those tapes, those 10 hours of tapes. And yeah, as I said, they, they discussed so many different topics. They discussed the Regency at great length. Um, at one stage, Hutch says that the six men who committed the Regency attack, some of them didn't even know each other. At, at, at that point there, he there, there's no... There's no tacit admission that Jared Hutch himself was involved. And again, this was a, a secret bug that the Gardaí had placed on the car. They didn't know they were being recorded at this time. Um, 
part of the the prosecution's case to do with the tapes, though, is the the constant reference to what the prosecution alleges are the three guns, the three AK-47s. They're constantly referred to as the three yokes and that the the three yokes would be a, a gift, would be a present to the Republicans that they hope will help um, foster this this kind of peace deal or this ceasefire with the Kinahans. The the three yokes are, are a central plank um, to the prosecution's case, but all manner of criminality is discussed between the pair. Um, it's fair to say, and I think Jonathan Dowdle has 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 agreed to this that it's it's mainly him talking on the recordings. Jerry Hutch himself, he I would say very rarely um, divulges uh, his innermost thoughts. Um, it, it, it's Jonathan Dowdle who breaks silences either to change the subject or ask Jerry Hutch's opinion on things. So if, if we're looking for a smoking gun, it's not in those tapes, but it, 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 it's a core part of the prosecution's maybe overall case against Hutch. Yeah, fascinating. And the way, the way you laid out there, Sean, correct me again if I'm wrong, but prior... And sorry, I'm not saying this is fact. I'm saying this is what's coming from Jonathan Dowdall's evidence. Prior to the actual events in the Regency and following Gary Hutch's murder in Spain in the previous September, in that period, Jonathan Dowdall, at the urging of the Hutches, or Jared Hutch, as it is here, was making contact with so-called Republican contacts in the North to try and broker some kind of a agreement or a deal. And after the um, Regency, particularly to do with the day he went up there, the, the, the day that was the car was bugged, him and Jared Hutch went up the North for the same purpose. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, and that and 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 that part has been uh, again. Jonathan Dowdless faced questions at great length about this. We haven't actually got to the tapes in the cross examination, but I'd say that will be that will, could last days. But it's an interesting part of the evidence. Like Jonathan Dowdless says that he was effectively used. He says that at the time where the the Hutches were planning the Regency Hotel shooting, he was going on essentially a fool's errand to try and broker broker piece at that time that's his case um but then afterwards as well the the it's clear from the tapes that Jared Hutch wants the violence to stop like he lost one of his brothers in the immediate aftermath of the regency and uh, Nettie Hutch who was a, a taxi driver with, with no involvement in criminality was shot just three days later it was clear that Hutch had an awareness and Dowdle that a lot of people might get killed in this and it's been put to Dowdle on several occasions that he was trying to be a good Samaritan, that he was just trying to, to make sure innocent people weren't killed. He's denied having any involvement in the Regency. But again, these threads keep getting picked by, by Brendan Gretton all the time. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Right, and another name to emerge 
in the evidence, and, and I think it, it may have initially in the tapes, but it subsequently, I think the other day, Dowdall was brought through it, that Pierce McCauley, now, for people who may not recall, Pierce McCauley was a provisional IRA operative who was involved in the killing. Most people would describe it as a murder, but the conviction was for manslaughter of Garda Jerry McCabe back in 1996 in, in Adair County, Limerick. A, a murder, I think, that a lot of people are killing. A lot of people will remember. He was convicted, along with three others, of manslaughter. Uh, he served however many years it was in prison. Uh, when he was being released, he was collected from the prison and there was photographs taken of Martin Ferris, the Sinn Féin TD, drove him away. Subsequent to that, he was convicted of what certainly sounded like a vicious assault of his wife, who is now a TD for Sinn Féin, uh, Pauline Tully, I think her name is. And he was back in prison, this time for that vicious assault, he was back in prison. And it emerged there in the evidence that Jonathan Dowdall visited this guy a number of times when he was in prison. Yeah, exactly that. Um, Brendan Grehan asked Jonathan Dowdall on Wednesday how many times he had visited Pierce McCauley in prison. Uh, Jonathan Dowdall in his response initially said, oh, it was two or three times. But Brendan Grehan was able to produce, um, I, I assume, what were prison logs or logs of visitors to to the prison, to Castlereagh Prison. And according to according to those logs, in in a in a, a period covering about twelve months, Jonathan Dowdle visited Pierce McCauley fourteen times. Um, so it, it was put to him that he was good friends with Pierce McCauley. He said, oh, "Well, I knew him, and he wanted to support him because he'd been obviously he he was in jail, and he uh, referenced um alcoholism that he wanted to support a guy that he knew. He wanted to 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 be there for him. Essentially, he tried to play down. I think initially." Um, the amount of contact he had with Pierce McCauley, but obviously Gretton had the the evidence of the amount of times he visited. Um, while he was paying these visits, they were throughout 2015. The Hutchkinan feud in the background was starting to was starting to boil over. Like two days after Gary Hutch was shot in Spain, um, Jonathan Dowdle visited Pierce McCauley again, and I, I imagine that uh, that would have been a topic for discussion. I imagine that would have been a topic for discussion given uh, Jonathan Dowdle's closeness to Patsy Hutch, the, the father of the deceased. Um, and it was Dowdle's evidence that he had asked Pierce McCauley for who he might contact in the North as part of this bid to um, try and get uh, a peace deal sorted out. And he said that it was Pierce McCauley who gave him these contacts. And it was actually also Dowdle's evidence that Macaulay told him to to stay away from this, don't get involved with this. And obviously, as we know, um, Dowdle Dowdle did go to meet those people to do what he says was was try and broker this peace deal. Okay, I didn't realize that that that, that Macaulay advised him and gave him names of who to, who to contact in uh, as, and I think Brendan Grehan. One of his comments the other day was, "When did the IRA get into the mediation business?" But there is. I think a distinction, I think it's fair to say, and, and Dowdall made it, because there was some confusion initially, that these contacts in the North are so-called dissident Republicans. But you're saying now, Sean, that there's also evidence that it was Macaulay, who was with the Provisional IRA, who uh, gave the names of these people as, as potential uh, mediators, to use that word. It, it, it's, it's been used interchangeably uh, in court quite frequently, the, the idea of, of, of Republicans up North. Um, obviously, the 
Dowdle's evidence was that Pierce McCauley gave him a contact, but Dowdle was also uh, at pains to say that it wasn't provisionals who they met up north. He made a real point on Wednesday to really drive home the fact that it wasn't provisionals by his account who they were meeting up north. And he he kind of said that the idea that it was provisionals was being used to attack Sinn Féin and he said that was unfair. Um, he said that there, there was a perception in the media that uh, Sinn Féin were involved in criminality, which he also said was unfair. Uh, so it's one of those things where he's made a point to really to really emphasize that. A, a lot of his, his answers can be one word answers or, or very, very brief. But it, it was on this point in particular, he wanted to emphasize that the, the provos were finished and the guys that they were meeting were were dissidents. Yeah, God, it's... Uh... It's it's an intricate kind of a, of of a web and an interface between various people, but uh, in any event, that's how things stand. God, it's a long way. And also, there was a reference, I think, Sean, to after Jonathan Dowdall's uh, house was searched, he contacted, or else, Liveline Joe Duffy's Liveline. I don't know they contacted him or he contacted the program, and he went on air to protest that he was innocent of anything. That came up in the evidence too, didn't it? This is back in 2016, I presume. Yeah, this this was, the, like, and the recording of that is still available to listen on, on RT's website, I believe. Um, Dowdle says that he was contacted to go on Joe Duffy and he decided to go on. He said he it, it was a mistake to do so. Um, and on the programme, he said he was not involved in criminality. He gave a very robust defence of himself. Um, Brendan Grant put it to him that, were you lying on Joe Duffy uh, Dowdle said that he didn't and it's one of the more uh, kind of bizarre facets of this is that uh, while all of this was going on that he decided to go on the national airwaves um, to, to kind of say that I'm not involved in any of this in his evidence on Thursday he was um, at pains to say that there was all of these rumours being spread on social media at the time in the aftermath of the Regency that he was the quote-unquote mastermind of it, that he'd been paid a large sum of money to organise the Regency. And his whole case uh, appears to be on, on this point that he wanted to he wanted to clear his name, essentially. He didn't want to be associated with the Regency because he knew he knew that put him in, in great danger because obviously Daniel Kinahan was the target in the Regency. Daniel Kinahan uh, escaped from there that day. And as we know, that uh, a lot of murders happened subsequent to the regency and and Dowdle was was in fear for his life essentially that he he could be he could be targeted yeah and i don't mean to jump all over the place Sean but it's just some <laughs> there's so many aspects of this is just but it it occurs to me um I think everybody will be aware of this notion that there was this feud and the number of people who were killed. One man in Spain, from recollection, completely unconnected to anything. The poor man was a, a case of mistaken identity and he was killed by one of the Kinnan gang. And and some of those who were also killed by the Kinnan gang. You mentioned uh, Jerry Hutch's brother who was a taxi driver. It appears no involvement whatsoever in crime. But the origins of that, we got some new insight into that because... There had always been uh, an idea out there that the origins of that was that the Kinnahans uh, decided to shoot Gary Hutch because they thought he was informing to the police either in Spain or here. But uh, Jonathan Dowdall had a different version of how the whole thing kicked off. Yeah, so his version of events was that it it wasn't the Kinnahans that, like, quote-unquote, started the feud. It was actually... Um, it was actually Gary Hutch and Patrick Hutch Jr., who were the monks' nephews, 
Um, obviously, as we said, Gary Hutch was killed in September 2015. But there was the allegation that Patrick Hutch Jr. had attempted to assassinate Daniel Kinahan in Spain prior to this. And the the subsequent follow of that, and there, there's also um, discussions of, of money that were being held by the Kinahans that the, the Hutches may have taken. Um, that's also seen to pre- precipitate the start of the feud. Um, the court heard uh, from Dowdle's evidence that Daniel Kinahan, as, as a punishment, had shot Patrick Hutch Jr. Um, he didn't shoot him fatally, uh, and, and this, this happened in Dublin, and that Patrick Hutch was taken to hospital for his injuries, but that this was how it started. And after the, the alleged actions, or what the Kinahans believed these Hutch men had done, they started to make demands, they started to demand compensation, and... That led to Gary Hutch's murder and obviously everything that followed right through to the Regency and, and beyond. And that shooting of Patrick Hutch, uh, that was by arrangement, that it was yeah. that in, in order to make amends, so to speak. But a punishment shooting was, was, was how I think it was described in court to, 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 yeah, as you say, to make amends for, for wrongdoing that he was alleged to have done. At a location in Drumcondra and allegedly, and this is alleged again by Dodal, that Daniel Kinnan apparently showed up and shot him. Absolutely. That 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 was that was Dowdle's evidence. And he said that he discovered all of this far later if he had known that it was as is by his account that some of the Hutches had started this. He believed that they were an innocent family being targeted by by this by this drug cartel and he wanted to help them out. But he says now that he believes that he was set up and that it was actually not the Kinans, not Jared Hutch, but but Gary and Patrick that started it. Right. No, in court itself, Sean, um, you obviously, as you said, you have a scenario, and I, I know, I know the courts down there they couldn't have been too far apart physically sitting, but like you have Jonathan Dowdall there, he, he said he is no, he knew Jared Hutch since he was a teenager, uh, as you said, Jared Hutch's brother Patsy Hutch, whom Dowdall is also implicated, even though he's not on trial for anything, was was like a second father to him, and the two of them are there sitting opposite each other in the court is there ever any eye contact that you've noticed or just give us a, a bit of a picture of what it's like there yeah it, it's very interesting in that uh, Hutch like throughout the trial has adopted a kind of I won't say blank stare it's more impassive he's more like he's taking in things he's not intimidated by the surroundings that he's in and he he I, I would like I'd say plays it cool to a certain extent he, he tries not to give away anything about how he's feeling Dowdle on the other hand, so they're sitting across court from each other and there's a, a kind of small army of barristers uh, separating them uh, where they're sitting. When Dowdle comes in, he comes in from a, the, the opposite door and he looks away. He does not look at, at Brendan Gretton or the prosecuting counsel. He doesn't look at Hutch. He's looking either downwards or straight ahead at the judges and he directs his answers to the judges at all times. Uh, like I, 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 I don't think that there's been eye contact at any stage between them. Um, over the the four days that he's given evidence so far, and we are people will be very aware of the photographs we've seen on 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 the TV and and the newspapers. You have those particular ones. We the stock one of um, Jared Hutch. I think he was driving. He was driving a limousine. He was a limo driver for a while. There's that stock picture of him. Don't know how long ago it was, but he looks fairly fresh faced, short hair, and that. And you have the one of Dowdall. Uh, I think he might be wearing a mask. It was during COVID. He's, you know, short, well-kept, blonde hair, looks uh, physically 
have bought or either of them changed a lot. You, you know the photographs I'm referring to uh, s- uh, since those. Absolutely, yeah. I, th- I think Hutch has, has definitely changed uh, from from those photographs that we've all seen. And I, I think obviously it's a it's a constraint of court that we that we don't have any uh, more up to date uh, pictures of Hutch. But he looks very yeah. different to that kind of jet black, short haired man that we see in those. He he ha- has quite long hair now. He has maybe not quite down to his shoulders, but quite long hair. It's it, it's going grey. Um, he every, every day he wears um, the same kind of uh, navy suit jacket and uh, open uh, collar shirt. Um, Dowdle, on the other hand, um, obviously there, there is that photo that you mentioned of him in the mask. I think a more common photo that people will remember is of his like uh, headshot from when he was a, a counsellor that has yeah. been shared widely. I, I would say he looks quite different there. He Obviously, that was taken nearly 10 years ago. So obviously, a, a man will age in that time. But he, 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 looks, he looks quite thin. He looks um, like thinner around the face as well. Um, he, he wears similar clothes every day, open collar short and, and navy, uh, navy suit jacket. Um, but I think there's, there's been quite good uh, court sketches done over the last yeah. few weeks, which people will have seen, and I, I think they 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 go some way to doing justice to to how the pair uh, appear today. Yeah, I know, I know, and the guys who does that actually, he's very good. He's very good at at the yeah. job. Then finally, Sean, and I, it's probably questions you can't answer or, or not in a position to, but any notion how long Dodal's evidence is expected to last, and any notion how long the trial is expected to last. Oh, that's that. That uh, how long is a piece of string? I would say, Mick. Yeah, but, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's one of those things where, like today, um, on on the way into court, uh, the the journalists will be chatting and kind of speculating. I wonder what will be up today, and I had expected um, uh, that we would get to the tapes, the ten hour tapes, because obviously I, I imagine that Brendan Gren will be going at great length through different parts of what Dowdle said in those tapes. But we actually got tapes of a different kind today. These were tapes from Dowdle's original interviews with the Gardaí back in 2016 and that we we watched at great length. At, so obviously, uh, Gren has various different aspects he wants to keep uh, quizzing Dowdle on. At the end of court today, Miss um, Justice Tara Bournes, who's the presiding judge uh, at the Tree Judge Special Criminal Court, she asked, obviously we're getting close to Christmas and the court breaking up, she said, um, she asked for an indication from Brendan Gretton, how long more he might be with Jonathan Dowdle. And he said it, it could be Tuesday, possibly Wednesday, um, before his cross-examination is finished. Now, if, if that is the case, then Dowdle will have been on the stand for eight days. Um, each day, I, I would say, is a, is a bit of a grueling ordeal um, for him to go through. So it, it'll obviously be a, be a trying time for him. Um, in terms of the the, the trial itself, well, obviously, the, I, I think we're getting to the end of the prosecution's case. Um, I think Dowdle, obviously, the, 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 the main witness, the star witness, is, is giving evidence at the minute. Um, it's not clear how long more the prosecution may take. I, I, I suspect it won't be too long. And then, obviously, we have the defence. We don't know <laughs> how the defence uh, will go. We don't know how long it will take. Will Will the monk take to the stand himself? Uh, I don't know. Stranger things have happened. There's been enough strange things at this trial. But I think we'd be going well into the new year, maybe even into late January, February, before before we wrap up things. And I think I'm correct. You correct me if I am, Sean. Because it's special criminal court, you have three judges, all female judges, which is a very interesting development, very progressive development um, in this case. Because it's three judges and because they give written judgments, when the trial finishes, it's generally the case that they'll say, OK, 
reserve judgment will come back and they go away and deliberate and that could take a matter of weeks easily am I right in that? Yeah absolutely yeah like uh, typically it could it could take a month it could take slightly longer so if, if on the time frame that I just outlined there if we if we finish evidence in in January or early February we're, we're talking into March maybe before we'll actually get the judgment so so it's, uh, it's been going on like over two months now but there's still still some way to go yeah yeah, that's it. I have to say, Sean, I spent a lot of time down there at some uh, major trials and this is one of the weeks where I seriously envy you. I wish I was back there again. <laughs> it is fascinating fair to um, to be observing. It's, it, it's, it's like a window into a world that... Uh, Certainly, most of us don't know anything about. Absolutely, and like I, I was even thinking this week that if if uh, a movie director was to get their hands on the transcripts, they would have a, a, a blockbuster on their hands. It's been it's been fascinating stuff. It's been a privilege to cover, and um, yeah, and it, it's got it, it's some some way to run yet. Yeah, Sean Murray, listen, thanks very much, Sean. We might we'll talk to you again at some stage. Definitely, we'll see how the trial progresses. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Mick. I'd also like to, as always, thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you, folks, for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Take it handy. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are like interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.